0: Welcome to Translate This, a podcast about language, culture, life, and the hilarity of it all. I am Melissa with my co-host
1: Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great, good to hear.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm excited about what you're about to present.
1: All oh, right, I'm excited that you're excited.
0: I have no idea what it's going to be, but you're gonna I'm super excited. Maintain the excitement.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you want to get into it, or?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, our viewers, our viewers see. I'm still so new to this whole I podcast. you putting an thing.
1: S on there yeah. on viewer. That means we have more than one.
0: Maybe, but it, they don't view us. <laughs> they listen to us. Yeah. So our listeners, uh, listeners, they can find us at translatethis-podcast.com. Uh, and I'll give you some more places you can find us. But that's our website.
1: Yeah, they'll find us. Yeah, they will. Eventually.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you going to talk about this week? I'm so excited. I have just really been like thinking you've been hyping up this topic for me. So.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah, I have everything up. I'm the hype man. That's awesome. I don't know. More of the chill man. Yeah, but yeah. it
0: keeps me it keeps me entertained.
1: I have I'm having trouble telling you the topic. Instead, I want to ask you a question. Okay. I think that will really clarify what the topic is. All it right. Kind of does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It okay. does. okay.
1: So it's a question you can answer. All it's right. A, your opinion. Okay. If you were going to take a language course, yes. would you want it to be 100% in the target language. And when I say those of you listeners who don't know what a target language is, that's the language that you want to learn. So would you want the language instructor to be speaking 100% in that language during the course, during the classes?
0: Uh, well, that's immersion. immersion. And so I would want immersion because that would allow me to have second language acquisition versus foreign language. So let me, <laughs> let me... Mm-hmm. Dissect that for our listeners. So, foreign language is sort of like a study of a different language than Mm -hmm. your native, you know, your first language, the source language, as we say in translation. And second language acquisition is actually learning another language as if you were a native language learner. Mm -hmm. So, Immersion is the best way to do that because when you were a child, you learned a language through immersion. Right. So I would always prefer immersion, even Mm -hmm. if it was horrifically difficult, which people, that's why they don't like it. They don't like it because they think it's too much and it's too overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, But there's a lot of research that states a mixed method initially is the best way to go about it and then full immersion from there forward.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because my goal is to get into the nitty-gritty of the benefits of the mix you're talking about. All right. Um, And I want to bring up, you know, what what are the misconceptions of immersion? That a lot of language trainers, instructors, teachers in primary, high school, all that, had created or had been given this idea that if you're not speaking in the target language 100%, you're doing a disservice. To the student, and my goal is to analyze that and bring up some uh, facts that I have found from sources mm-hmm. to basically challenge that. Good
2: for challenge you. Challenge
1: it because there's a lot of connotations that go with that don't go. It wasn't intentionally brought with immersion mm-hmm. teaching, but there were connotations that were brought on culturally that have created problems.
0: I, I think I see where we're going. Yeah,
1: there. and now uh, there's a couple of questions I'm going to um, say in the beginning to like guide what we're going to talk about. Okay, good. All right.
0: And for the listeners yeah. that have never heard this before, if this is your first time listening, mm-hmm. both Richard and I were foreign language and in, and immersion, and, and immersion yeah. instructors. Uh, yeah. Still, still are to this day. Yeah. But in public settings, we we mm-hmm. taught a variety of of students, and we have firsthand experience of not just learning how to do this, but also actually doing this in a doing it and learning through it and learning through
1: it yeah and i benefited so much from my experiences and my failures that i came to be very comfortable at the climax of my teaching career in in public education mm-hmm. to be around 95 percent. and that was very intentional it wasn't like i was five percent lazy and like that you know <laughs> or let's just like chat in, in the native language No. It was very intentional um, for specific purposes, not only for language teaching, but also community building. And um, it's really important. So the two questions that that I have that's going to guide our conversation is, the first one is, is teaching 100% in the target language in the classroom always effective? That's number one. And then number two is much more complex but important. Is there a dominant, marginalized cultural Culture dynamic, and if those of you who don't understand that, I will explain that and um, give some examples. Mm -hmm. And that's where things get a little bit dicey. Yeah. So, I have a source. The source is BritishCouncil.org. Karen Dixon had all these article, really interesting article of 2018, which I got a lot of my information from. It also supports things that I have done. So a lot of this is my thoughts. And But it's supported by experts. And in the article, there were eight reasons to include home languages, or you want to say native language, or first language. What do you prefer to say?
0: I think first language is, is pretty representational mm-hmm. uh, because a native language, that limits. Yeah. Because there are children coming into our classrooms, mm-hmm. or had come into our classrooms, mm-hmm. that learned simultaneously more than yeah. one language. Yeah complex and yeah. then they learned a the third and fourth language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i would say first yeah home nut. or home language again languages yeah 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 ha- there's got to be a plural in there somewhere yeah.
1: yeah okay well i have a plural so six reasons uh i i took it down to six for okay. time purposes <laughs> but also there were two reasons that that i felt that were easy to combine into one so i had edited to six reasons to include home languages okay. into the education environment. That sounds great, right? Yeah. Remember that, yeah. producer Lauren. Ah, she's giving me a thumbs up. All right, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to go down this list and interject as much as you want because these are all we all have personal experiences with this. Oh yes, Maybe. we do. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: number one, first reason to include home languages in the learning environment is when we become when we welcome home languages we acknowledge that multilingualism is a global norm mm. and what does that mean in, in layman terms it basically means that if we let me give you the opposite of what they're talking about okay. if you if you're let's just say english because it's the most the most spoken language right 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 uh, now it is yes not always. Not always. But like if you have this attitude as a language teacher, uh, yeah. English, everyone needs to learn English. Everyone should be speaking it. So the minute you walk into the door, you better speak English or you're, you're breaking the rules and you, you're mm-hmm. breaking our, our environment that we're creating here, this bubble of all English only. Mm-hmm. You're kind of rejecting the reality that the world is multilingual, that we all are living in this diverse world. And that, even though we our goal is to learn English in that particular example, yeah, we also accept that other languages are important too, and mm-hmm. that they exist, and that they they're woven in, and other cultures are woven in into English, and so this number one reason is is a much more cerebral way to look at why it's important mm-hmm. and I'll give you an example uh, right now i'm uh, have a language course with two Guatemalan clients of mine who speak uh, Mayan languages, K'iche' and K'ichi. the two different languages in Guatemala. And knowing that their languages are not only not spoken in mainstream society in their own country and and sometimes looked down upon Mm -hmm. many times, I purposely greet them in their language when when we log on. We don't walk in the doors anymore because we're digital when they log on. And I greet they taught me the words and so I greet them in their uh home language and to acknowledge to acknowledge, just like number one, that their language is important. Right. And that their language is part of the environment that I have created uh-huh. in this classroom, digital classroom uh-huh. in a sense, right? So any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Uh that is uh, producer Lauren's given the two thumbs up oh, again. Got uh I really Thank you for that because it's it's something that isn't practiced enough mm-hmm. in my experience. Right. I remember when I was working at the World Trade Center in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And I remember just seeing the different people coming through. And if I knew how to say hello mm-hmm. in the language mm-hmm. of, of the person there, yeah. I would say it. Right. And, right. and I, and I'm probably had a horrible accent trying to say it, but I did it.
1: They see your effort.
0: They saw the effort and they, it was always welcome. Yeah. It was never scoffed, yeah. you know, or, or, uh, looked upon as uh, what are you trying to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And especially in your environment, Yeah. when I went to the university of uh, North Carolina at Charlotte mm-hmm. for my master's in education, mm-hmm. we were taught to teach in the language of the learner.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so this is an extension of that. Right. And right. I think that that is an amazing way to, first of all, what do we know about emotional well-being and learning a language? Mm-hmm. You you have to be, you have to be balanced. You have to be open. You have to yeah. be able to go into this. Right? right. And, and we had another episode about students with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a, a calmer. This Absolutely. is automatically you're, you're, Bringing down the tension. Yes. You're bringing down the stress level Mm -hmm. of the person coming in.
1: And one layer, one more layer of adding of helping them feel accepted, exactly, comfortable,
0: and acknowledged.
1: Acknowledged. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: Thank you. Number two, learners learn more when they are able to use their home languages. Yes. I do know this. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to laugh at this question. Do you know anyone? Melissa, that likes to verbally process their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, would she be somebody with the first letter of the word? Let me see. Is it an M?
1: Is she about two feet away from me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who have not figured this part out either, One of the things is probably what's great about being a podcaster now is that I am a verbal processor.
1: Absolutely, and I love that.
0: Well, I'm glad you do. (laughs) I don't know if everybody else does. I
1: could could tell you one of my most successful students, I don't say students, but but the learning environments were created because of verbal processors. Their verbal processing Mm -hmm. gave permission for everybody else to verbal process in the target language.
0: I will tell you this right now. I have been accused of that in previous classes, and it had nothing to do with learning language. I believe that I was either that person in your classroom that you loved because they opened up the floor yeah. to, uh, to ask the teacher anything, uh-huh. or you just wanted to tell them, just, please, just shut up, please.
2: Because yeah. there's the other side he, of it, too,
0: and I acknowledge yes. that. Yes. I've learned hmm. how to curtail some of that right, and there 's a lot of interjection there 's a lot mm-hmm. of learning how to be an active listener mm-hmm. uh, and sort of just continually to verbally process to yeah. the point where people can 't even say anything. Right. but I do believe that if you are a verbal processor, I believe that it does help in learning a language
2: right.
0: because you 're able to make mistakes right. and you tend to not care. Mm-hmm. Because you're so used to processing out loud for you, it's not necessarily an embarrassment. Yeah. You're just thinking through the the thought and mm-hmm. you're going with it. So if I want to say, I don't know, and let me just think. Oh, I know. This mm-hmm. is the one that I've been trying to correct mm-hmm. in my own home. Instead of saying queso, which drives me crazy for some reason, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't, yeah. but it does because yeah. I always think go go right to Texas and and. Uh-huh. and Southwest accents and teaching Spanish versus Mm -hmm. Mm
2: castle.
0: And that's driving me insane. So if I'm in a classroom and I'm mispronouncing something and I do it because I'm just verbally processing, well, then that's good because then the the professor or the teacher has an opportunity to correct what I'm doing or help me or push forward, use it as an example Mm
1: -hmm. and go on. Absolutely. I mean, I can go on. We can have a podcast about verbal processors. (laughs) (laughs) All the benefits of having them, yes. which is actually important because, like you had alluded to, a lot of educators tend to put them down, tell them, to, tell them they're talking too much and stuff. Yep. So, yeah. anyway.
0: There was a lot of, there was a lot of shame yeah. in, in my educational experience. Yeah. A lot of shame.
1: Yeah, and uh, exactly. That's why it's important. But connected to that, when we're talking about home languages, yeah. if you're a student mm-hmm. or a learner in a classroom, and you need to process in your home language mm-hmm. a, a fact or an information right. that you've learned and you need to process that. The teacher should, in my opinion, allow mm-hmm. you to process it verbally because you're a verbal processor. Right. So if you're told to not speak your home language in class, but that's how you process information
0: yeah. and, it,
1: and you can process it better in your home language, why would you tell them not to?
0: You know that's a very good point because I think in the past we were told to give more wait time,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that was to accommodate verbal processors right. when they were being nonverbal right. processing in their head mm-hmm. or maybe under their breath, mm-hmm. mumbling because <laughs> most of us do, and then actually state what we wanted to state. Right. But that is a, a makes another problem yeah. because for the wait time. Mm-hmm that you need to give a verbal processor,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it could be more extensive yeah. than somebody with just say they have what's considered a learning disability and you need mm-hmm. some wait time for them. Right. But verbal processor might need more.
2: Yeah. And you're And get... then
0: it's gonna get stagnant. Right. Your class is gonna be awkward yeah. and silence. Yeah. So exactly. I, I hear you. I think that's great that you're doing that. I, I support letting people talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and we're talking, you know, addressing, like I said, the the myth that the classroom environment, the learning environment has to be 100% target language. And mm-hmm. that's what we're addressing, mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of teachers out there who see or who think that if they hear the the home languages in their classroom, they want to quell it. They want to suppress it. And, right. and that's what we're addressing. Right. That
0: and that happened when I was at the Alliance Française uh-huh. in Lyon.
1: Oh, okay. It happened. It would
0: happen because yeah. the classroom would start reverting to English.
1: And absolutely, and that's my next um sub sub point is uh-huh. that educators need to find boundaries about when students should l- use their home languages in class. Because it can get out of hand. Yeah. And then and this is why a lot of teachers are afraid of it because they can see it getting out of hand. Everyone's speaking their home language and they're chatting. And and now they're so used to it that they're not practicing. And so as an educator, that's the part where they have to create boundaries and create, and maybe create a a list of reasons of opportunities of when they can use it.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. Did you do that in your classes? Did you say, okay, this is when you can speak in your home language or, Under these circumstances, when we're doing this particular Mm -hmm. activity, Mm -hmm. you would encourage them Mm -hmm. to utilize whatever language skill they needed to transfer. Because I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but when you spoke about this, it immediately Mm -hmm. in my brain brought up the fact that we know Mm -hmm. the more education you have in your home language or in your first, second language, right? And then you're going to the next language, the more you can transfer.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all been proven by experts. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So
0: because of that, mm-hmm. you need them to continue to develop. Yes. Their other languages mm-hmm. and process in those other languages to right. make the connections right. to the next language.
1: Right. And it boils that your question boils down to respect. Yeah. Respect of the expectations mm-hmm. and and why you're in why you're learning why you're in that. Yeah. Classroom, you know, and remembering the goal, and so. When that is clear, students tend to know when to and when not to speak. They know when they've gone overboard and and they're disrupting the classroom. So, no, it's impossible to create a whole list of when you can talk and when you can't. That sounds very repressive in a way, you know, (laughs) controlling. Mm -hmm. But it's about about making sure that the respect is there for our goals as a class. And then it kind of eliminates the unneeded. And when people go overboard, it's, there are things that I do that I've done that are easy, quick reminders and say, oh, is that, I would say something, like, is that part of the class or is that necessary? You know, mm-hmm. as a question, so it's not being invasive and it's not being controlling. Or you know? proximity proximity and they just know they know they, knew, they already know let's, let's yeah.
0: explain that so proximity is the teacher's best friend mm-hmm. so if you have someone in your class that's just going off the rails or yeah. or they're just distracting others yeah. or they're just not engaged just walk gently over yeah. and stand next to them or as you continue uh-huh. to do what you need to do
1: or my favorite chicken is similar to that is the richard smile
0: oh gosh yeah, yeah.
1: i will if I'm if I'm talking, I will stop in mid sentence, smile, and just wait. Yeah. And then it literally Oh yeah. And it's so magical. Oh, it's Amazing. completely magical because yeah.
0: then the whole room turns around. Oh yeah. But I I tend to think that proximity for me really, mm-hmm. really does. is more engaging. Moving
1: around, especially yeah. I mean it's important for in you know, a physical obviously physical. Yeah. We're in digital classrooms a lot now. And that's an interesting challenge, right?
0: Oh, I couldn't even imagine how you're yeah. doing it now because yeah. I've not taught online.
1: There are new challenges all the time. Yeah. But. Um,
0: Kudos to you.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, you know, when I see eyes wandering on the yeah. digital screen. <laughs> there it is. You know, I notice it and then I'll, I'll, I'll say, what do you think? uh uh-huh. You know, so-and-so. And so and i was like, oh, well, what'd you say? You so know.
0: You, you've got to read the room. you got to read the digital room.
1: Read the digital room. And it's always going to be a challenge. No matter how engaging it is, wherever they're at in their home, in their mm-hmm. bedroom, and they're at their work, they have. 20 distractions around them yeah so it's always going to be a challenge and it's it's a exploration for me to keep them engaged and luckily you know in, in this environment they're adults and that that they are very focused on their goals right. so but
0: see for me when you went and i'm going to go yeah. back to the original question yeah. when you asked me if i'd prefer all immersion yeah. and i said the mixed method at yeah. the beginning is better mm-hmm. and that i'm going to clarify that because i do believe exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. i think at the advanced stages yeah I love it being more immersion Mm -hmm. because I want to gain more vocabulary. So that's just me personally as a learner. But what methodology is Mm -hmm. better? You're talking a whole different
1: ball What you just said is going to be a part of uh, the second question about the differences. Now give an example. When I mentioned dominant versus marginalized. Yes. Right. That's a big difference from dominant, dominant. Where you are from a dominant culture, mm-hmm. your language is dominant, and then you're learning a language that is also dominant. Mm-hmm. Most people want a hundred percent. They don't need to be validated. They don't need to be seen as much or, or feel that mm-hmm. they have identity because mm-hmm. they already feel identity. Yeah, identity. You know, they feel part of a community already. So you're
0: talking about let's just use an example. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Mexican American or newly immigrated Mexican students in Southern California mm-hmm. that has a huge Mexican-American right. population and yeah. Mexican culture. Yeah. And I'm specifically saying Mexican. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Latin America yeah. because it's it's very Mexican right. in Los Angeles. Yeah. And learning English. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that they already have such a strong foundation in their Mexican or Mexican-American culture that they don't need to be as validated to be to then go to the English and English classrooms. Uh-huh. I'm trying to use an actual gonna... example for our listeners as as what you mean about dominant yeah. cultures to dominant cultures. I, I prefer
1: to say dominant versus a Mexican, for example, Mexican, because in, in the Mexican culture, in the Mexican society, mm-hmm. you have different strata, you have different demographics. So someone who have, for example, native uh, home languages. Ulmec, Aztec you know things but, like that But just let's let's uh-huh. okay so, I okay get that. so they speak Spanish right Okay they okay, speak Spanish Let's just focus, let's, on let's Spanish. focus on Spanish To me it's not just language it's it's feeling like you're part of a community uh-huh. So if you're from in my opinion if you're from middle to wealthy class Mexican family Uh-huh you may not feel the need like the need to be a part of this community right If
0: you're in a in that same type of environment in Los Angeles learning English
1: let's say you are yeah you're in Los Angeles you grew up in LA right um uh, you know you no
0: know, what i mean is you're you're from mexico yeah. you're a student from yeah. a from a a middle middle class upper middle class community right. and you come to Los Angeles and on par you're in an upper middle class yeah. community yeah. now you're learning english because you you may have been exposed to it right. and learned a lot over there mm-hmm. cuz most likely you you're going to have been taught somewhat yeah Right, and then you yeah. come over, mm-hmm. and you're learning more English,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and now you're not going to need to feel as validated I because your culture so. is going to be. I
2: don't think so. Yeah. See, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But
0: let's say, and and I know that in Portland, I experienced what you're discussing yeah. also because, and we were just talking about this quite hilariously and mm-hmm. adorable. It was very adorable. This is we're talking fifth, sixth graders, mm-hmm. where we had the I had Ukrainian, Russian, and Romanian mm-hmm. students. Yeah. Okay. And then I had a large group of Latinos. Mm-hmm. That came from all over Central America right. and and Mexico. Yeah, I didn't have any South Americans in that group, and they would go on the playing ground. Okay, and even though within those two cultures,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they the Mexicans and the Guatemalans would get in fights. Yeah, right, right, and the obvious reasons: the Romanians and Ukrainians mm-hmm. and the Russians would not always get along.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Then when they go play soccer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when that ball hit the pitch, mm-hmm. it was. Literally, Eastern Bloc mm-hmm. versus Latin America. Yeah. And they yeah. just went at it on the uh-huh. soccer field. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the languages that yeah. you heard yeah. were Ukrainians and the Romanians would revert to Russian. Okay. Because it was the common yes. language. Okay. Interesting. And all the Latinos mm-hmm. would resort to a neutral Spanish. Yeah. So that they okay. would understand each other. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. But interestingly enough, yes. and this is the twist on all of it. Okay. This is why I love language. And I right. think I said this to you because Romanian is the last Latin language, they picked up so much Spanish Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and could understand so much Spanish that it was to their advantage to pretend like they couldn't Uh because they knew what the Latin side was saying in terms of what they were gonna do with the ball. And then they would turn around and say it in in Russian And they get the advantage to be like, that's what they're going to try to do right uh-huh. now. Go yeah. do this instead. Wow. It was amazing. It yeah. was amazing watching interpreting happen on the fly like that. And Imagine
1: a kid with that experience, you know, yeah. and all those languages. I mean, it's, as chaotic as it can be, it's rich in diversity and, yeah. and learning about how to navigate yourself through all that.
0: But you know, they themselves mm. the the romanians the ukrainians and the russians yeah they themselves needed more validation what you're talking about yeah they needed more validation and be able to express their own yeah. languages right because they weren't coming to yeah. a similar community most yeah. of them
1: and that hopefully that explains or, or puts light on what i'm talking about dominant versus marginalized yeah and i do have other examples coming up mm-hmm. um to emphasize that fact because this is Probably the most important part of the topic is that if your language is dominant culture and you're going to learn another dominant culture, then there's less issue. There's less issue with when you go to a a teacher who's like, don't speak home languages here, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many examples, sad examples of that happening in our history, too. Right. Ready for the third one? Yeah. Okay. So teachers. Here's number three. Teachers can learn from learners. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah, teachers can learn. and Yeah, that sounds obvious, but like, wha- okay, so the te- what are they going to learn that's valuable? You know, and that, how's that going to help? Isn't it going to help the learning environment? Yes.
2: Yes. Big, big why, yeah. yes, yes.
1: Those of you teachers who just like, you just want to teach, you want to do a good job, and yeah. you don't want to complicate things. Learning from learners will make you a better teacher. Yeah. Just flat. Yep. Just say that straight out. Okay.
0: We've all learned more than they've ever, we've ever taught them.
1: Yes. So the more, I wrote this, the the more the educators understand why certain learners have tendencies in speaking, tendencies in speech can help you create better curriculum, can help you create better lessons because you understand what their tendencies are or their, Their weaknesses are um, through their speech patterns Mm -hmm. in their home languages. So the more you understand their home languages, the more you can modify your curriculum to accommodate uh, what their tendencies are. So
0: are you saying that all teachers then need to be polyglot?
1: Well, it helps that the teacher that is teaching the target language has a lot of knowledge of the, and this is the hard part, you know, they might have a class with people from all over the world mm-hmm. and that's going to be difficult. You mm-hmm. know, even in my group that I mentioned, the two uh, Mayan clients that I have there, even though they're both Mayan, they speak two different languages. Luckily, there are two. And so I say good morning in two different languages, you know. Yeah. But what if there's like five or six, you know, and that gets out of control and that's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But you want to put effort into that and, and little by little you learn more and more right You know, and it's it's got to look at the the long game not yeah. the short game
0: and and i'm going to go back to mm-hmm. the fact that you're teaching uh indigenous mind speakers that is no different than saying what i just said about teaching ukrainian or romanian mm-hmm. students yeah or french and spanish students mm-hmm. because just because they have proximity in mm-hmm. terms of geography mm-hmm. doesn't mean they understand each other right Right. I mean, think yeah. about Africa. Mm-hmm. You think about all the languages in Africa, and mm-hmm. they are literally down the road from each other. Yeah. And they would speak a completely different language. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be hard for, for teachers to gather all of that. But I, I mm-hmm. applaud you for trying.
1: Oh, well, any intent, any effort put is seen by your students, and they yep. will appreciate you even more. And when they appreciate you, they learn more, and you look better. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then another part of that is um, something called when you are inviting in, allowing in their cultural norms, their their languages woven into your curriculum, woven into your environment. Mm -hmm. Your you and your students are able to make what's called contrastive elaboration, in which you can actually break down what the differences are in certain like speech patterns and say. Oh, yeah, this is how it's done in home languages, how it's done in, in, let's say, English. And you see patterns, and you're able to learn better that way. It's another form of learning.
0: And do you do that like when you're learning grammatical structure or -hmm. or sentence structure?
1: Yeah, you can. I I actually have an example, like in Spanish, when I'm teaching Spanish speakers, Mm -hmm. English, Spanish speakers tend, here's a tendency, is that in English, when they're practicing English, they tend to omit the pronoun. So if I say I I'm going to the store, a lot of Spanish speakers will say going to the store, yep. right? And in English, that's virtually this impossible for many people to understand what you're trying to say. Right? Or what is, who? You yeah.
2: Who's who is. Yeah. There's and, no context. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so when I understand why, when I when I dig a little deeper into why so many Spanish speakers are omitting the pronoun. Uh-huh. Then I'm able to create curriculum to help them overcome that. And so they're not just literally translating in their head. I can modify what they're learning. Right. Because that's what their tendencies are. So if I right. know their tendencies, I can meet it with strategies.
0: That's what I love about Spanish though. And just, I know this is tangent, but mm-hmm. I love the fact that you can use different conjugations. Yeah. For different tenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever have to use a pronoun. Yeah. Because the yeah. word's never going to be the same. Yeah. But you can't do that in French.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I failed at French. But there's good things about English, too, that I see benefits in. But there's Mm -hmm. both good in both. Um, Number four, welcoming home languages will involve learners. And maybe this alludes to what we have kind of elaborated before is that when you allow clients, students to speak their home languages, they feel more connected. They Mm -hmm. feel more involved. They want to participate more because you allow you allow them to be themselves, right? Right. And like I said before, you need to create boundaries, expectations. So that's really important. And I wanted to emphasize that Mm -hmm. this number four is important when your students are from marginalized cultures, and I know we've talked about this, and and it's worth repeating. Yes, it is. If and those of you who don't understand the dynamic of dominant and marginalized cultures, if you say that your language, the, the language, English, for example, the target language, is most important and it's what you need to learn mm-hmm. because you won't survive, it mm-hmm. sends a message that their home language is not valuable. And and,
0: and on the flip side yeah. of that, when you're teaching Spanish yeah. in a public setting yeah. to English speakers mm-hmm. who are told that their language is the top
1: huh
0: their attitude and learning
1: yeah yeah they're like well i don't need to learn they don't
0: even care yeah. and you and yeah. it's a complete mm-hmm. re- resistance on the yeah, other absolutely.
1: side absolutely yeah. because
0: they are fighting internally
2: mm-hmm. their what they've learned
0: what they've learned that mm-hmm. they that english is everything
1: yeah yeah
0: that their dominant language rules mm-hmm. so it, it becomes problematic for both sides
1: I want to, uh, Jim Cummings, researcher. Love him. Yeah. He has a quote I want to add. He says that English language learners will engage academically mm-hmm. to the extent that instruction affirms their identity and enables them to invest their identities in learning.
0: Do you know? I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes on to say that because he's Irish mm-hmm. and he talks about how. They learned Greek, yeah as well as Latin. Yeah. And Gaelic. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because of British preventing them mm-hmm. from being able to use Gaelic. Yeah. But that's why you go to Ireland and it's so incredibly preserved. Yeah. Because they that's part of the rebellion mm-hmm. of saying, You're not gonna beat our language out of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: he he was probably one of the most influential language teachers that I've ever
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, learn that example. you know from yeah and to know that that these battles that we're having in our classrooms are ancient also. yeah yeah this is, this is they happen in history
0: this is yeah from the yeah. beginning of time
1: right the battle of languages and, yeah. and oppressing one language over another mm-hmm. um gosh there's so much of that there's
0: power in that all
1: over the world and those of you out there who struggle with maintaining interest maintaining attention with your students it may be because of this dynamic is is, is off balance that right. you may have, without knowing, created this dominant feeling that they are not worthy or they, their identities are not acknowledged, and so they're going to act out. Exactly. So maybe look at that, those of you who, who are struggling right now with classroom management and, mm-hmm. and interest levels and mm-hmm. stuff. Anything else? I can go yeah. to number five.
0: No, go to my number five. I mean, I got so much to say. I, oh. I had so many experiences, but yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated. Keep going. Great.
1: Oh, this is good. This is great. Seeing and hearing home languages, let's say in a school or even in a training center or any any social environment, okay, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Seeing and hearing home languages can make the environment a safer place.
0: Ooh, I love that. Okay, so mm-hmm. I do have to interject this yep, one. Yeah, go ahead. So when we were living in Lyon, uh-huh. my husband is much more reserved than I am. Okay. Uh, he is definitely not a verbal processor. Okay. He is very, very well-spoken. Mm-hmm. When he speaks, yeah. he means what he says, yeah. and it's always very thought out thought out, and, yeah. and, and well-chosen yeah. in how he, he orates. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, the opposites attract. Yeah. Right?
1: But it, it works. It opposites works. Opposites attract. That's what It, I it said.
0: does. 30 years later, we're still married.
1: 30 years.
0: But, uh, but the thing mm-hmm. of it is, is that when we were living in Lyon, mm-hmm. he was mistaken for being French the okay. entire time because... He he speaks quietly like we were here mm-hmm. talking he would probably be speaking about this level okay and he would be very direct and he mm-hmm. would speak slowly at this pace mm-hmm. and then he would be quiet unless mm-hmm. you prompted him mm-hmm. to say something now he's not a robot yeah and he's very expressive right and but when he's in a conversation mm-hmm. he's incredibly gifted at the art of conversing and being aware of who needs to speak next and or who needs to communicate also his background is in special education okay so i'm probably just like one of his students (laughs) but Uh but when we were in Lyon, people thought he was french because the french Uh are are by culture they're they're quieter they're more reserved Mm -hmm. they you know they're they they do not have loud outbursts and Mm -hmm. whatnot and whatever yeah And then we were walking down the street, and all of a sudden we hear what I call the little parakeets coming down the road, and you couldn't even see them, Uh but you could hear them from around the corner before you even saw them. It was a group of Spanish students that were studying in Lyon, and and they were loud Mm -hmm. and boisterous and laughing and hilarious and walking down the street, and I'm like, see, that's me over there. Okay. Like, those are my people. Right. And so now that we're in Spain, mm-hmm. I'm with my people, right? right. I'm just right. like, la, 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 here I am. Mm-hmm. And Michael, when we just went to France, mm-hmm. uh, we went Paris last week, and I'm like, yeah, I'm back with your people now. And uh-huh. I'm like, quieter, yeah. you know, more considerate. Yeah. And it was so funny to uh-huh. to be back in that environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And And I think about that. I think about how home culture... Yeah. In a classroom,
2: right? Too, mm-hmm.
0: and so, so anyway, so just to that point, I think it, it's quite funny to me to know that it's so. It was so comforting for me and Leon to hear other people like me, right? And it was so comforting for him
1: to be with people
0: that are like him.
1: I understand what you're saying, now. right? Because yeah, I was like. Trying to connect it with yeah. what I said, That's but now good. I get it. Yeah, because I had to process uh, it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but
1: I get it. And you—you yeah. touched on 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 feeling comfortable, feeling right. safe, right. feeling—I mean, safe in a way of comfortable. Mm-hmm. But there's also safe, physically safe,
0: physically safe and, too. Yeah,
1: and you may may relate this like traveling to other countries, mm-hmm. um, but in in terms of, of school uh, of work mm-hmm. um, where there's languages being spoken. Mm-hmm. In your, if you're in an environment where the instructor validates home languages and, and includes it, integrates it, right, then there's less bullying, there's less right. taunting, there's less putting down of other languages, and that is that that hurts a lot of people. I mean, it has an effect.
2: Oh, completely. Right?
1: So then, when I say safer space, it's it's all it's what you said: feeling comfortable, mm-hmm. but also feeling safe that you can express yourself right. without someone. Berating you or offending you. you know? But that's also,
0: that goes beyond language, though. Yeah, that goes right. that goes to acknowledging culture in general. Exactly. And and exactly. when I taught in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and it was, had nothing to do with language, what right. I was doing there, just acknowledging the different cultures mm-hmm. in the classroom, mm-hmm. people immediately felt more at home yeah. because I understood right. a, their background. Yeah. And I acknowledged their background, even if I didn't know as much about mm-hmm. it as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. And that was also welcoming. And I know that that's what teachers, good teachers do. Yeah. Good teachers always know their students. They know their history. They mm-hmm. read those files before they set foot in the classroom, those kids. And they, they know who they're getting. Yeah, And it could be all dominant language as well. Yeah. Say you're just teaching a, a classroom of English speakers and you're an English speaker, native English speaker, and you're teaching geometry. Mm-hmm. You still need to know. All of those students to make them feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and, it, and it goes. This, this idea that you have about marginalization, yeah. it extends to socioeconomic yeah. situations and mental health issues. I yeah. mean, it, it really is a bigger topic, and yeah. you're you're applying it to language right now. Yeah. I get that, but yeah. I mean, you've touched on something so important for educators in general. In a way, I just want to express that because all educators need to do this in uh-huh. in any classroom.
1: And what I want to emphasize is that it's not hard to do this you no. can like what i just said i say good morning in in kiche and kichi one word you know and that one word if i had let's say all let's say i had other other students in there who didn't speak those languages who were speaking dominant language let's say spanish and guatemala and they're like oh you know they're they've grown up saying my language is not important right thinking that right and for me as a language instructor in charge of this environment speaking in that language in Kiche or Kichi, even one word
2: mm-hmm.
1: validates them and sends a message to mm-hmm. all the other people in that environment that it's accepted and valued. And yep. that's what I'm talking about devaluing, taunting, bullying. That yep. happens all the time, even with adults. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a kid issue. It's mm-mm, an adult mm-mm.
0: issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, thank you for addressing yeah.
1: that. And it creates a greater learning community. Yes, it's it what does. We, want. we want. Community. Last one. Yeah. Number six. Yep. Good thing there wasn't eight, right?
2: Well, I don't <laughs> we're know. We're running out.
1: Yeah. Running out of energy here. This one, oh, this one's interesting. In terms, number six, mm-hmm. in terms of refugees, ah. right? We're dealing with a lot of that now. Mm-hmm. You know? The world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, refugees are going to be a part of the learning language learning experience more and more. So well, I, I think, to... yeah,
0: it's permanent culture now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. However, and we had this topic about refugees in uh, a past yes, we did. Uh, episode. We did. Check it out Check if it you have out. time, guys. And some refugees are going to stay. Some are going to go back. Right. We don't know. Some of them have to go back to their home countries to be a part of its rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And forgetting their home language is not an option. Exactly. It's not. They need to conserve it. So if they're in classes where they're taught or being given this information that in, they need only to learn the dominant language, right. forget your home language, it's not going to serve them when they, if they have to go back. No. And um, that is, that's valuable. So
0: I want to salute Oregon schools because mm-hmm. that's my experience. Okay. Uh, and I know that California schools do this as well. Yeah. Probably, I also know New York schools do this as well. And I can't speak to other mm-hmm. states because I haven't experienced that. Yeah. But I will salute Oregon schools for the fact that they there's one district in particular, Woodburn, that's in uh, yeah, it's Woodburn. south of uh, Portland, right. north of Salem, it's
1: like central Oregon. Central kind of, Oregon, of, yeah.
0: yeah. And Woodburn has actually, aside from their uh, what you would call their regular public school, mm-hmm. they have a large community of Latinos, okay. mostly Mexican okay um mostly from the area of uh oh the coastline and i can't think of the name of the city right now but anyway it's on uh, the coastline over the, on the on the western coastline okay they're coming up uh from that area there's, Lincoln city no 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 from mexico oh i'm sorry no not oregon. Lincoln city so I oregon, oregon. My, uh, now I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the the community hmm. but there also is a giant population hmm. of russian ukrainian romanian oh. students oh. but mostly russian old believers <laughs> these are people religiously tied to pre-sar the last wow. Tsar, and they wear head coverings okay wow. and they wear long dresses and they look a lot like what we would consider like mennonites Okay. That kind of that look.
1: This has nothing to do with like Russian Orthodox?
0: No. So it's not Russian Orthodox. Mm -hmm. These are the old believers. This is a different thing of Russian religion. Completely different. Wow. And they actually, this this school district is so incredibly attuned to Mm -hmm. the fact they have this community that's intertwined. These Mm -hmm. two completely opposite communities intertwined. Yeah. Because right next to that town, mm-hmm. Woodburn, mm-hmm. is another town that's predominantly German,
2: okay. of German descent. Wow.
0: So you have these three communities going head to head. Yeah. Right? They actually give the school district permission mm-hmm. to do different holidays okay. for the Russian community. Yeah and then the Latin community, and mm-hmm. then the, the what we call the regular mainstream community. Okay. So there are, are times where mm-hmm. the uh, vacations yes. don't line up, the winter breaks, yes. the whole group is out of school at yes. one point yes. and because they're honoring their religious values. Mm-hmm. And they also make food yeah. that is related to that, that in the oh, cafeterias, wow. the food's different. That's, a, that's cool. Which is great. I mean, yeah. when, when I taught North Carolina, we had a huge mom community there. Okay. In the Hmong community, you would see at times you'd have food in the cafeteria Mm -hmm. that was uh, an Asian Hmong uh, style. Right. It wasn't exactly it, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely they were trying. They were trying. And and they were trying, and I was like, that's awesome that they were doing that. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing about Oregon schools that I really like, that I thought was was great, not just Woodburn, but in in general... Mm -hmm. They they actually put a lot into practice of what you were discussing. You know, you and I taught mostly, you know, well, I taught mostly in North Carolina and then also well, kind of split between North Carolina and Oregon, but yeah. you taught mostly in Oregon.
1: Uh, uh, more in Oregon, but I also taught in Virginia and yeah. California. That's
0: true. Yeah. That's true. But in Oregon schools, yeah. what I also like is that they have programs mm-hmm. for immersion, half day immersion, or they do dual language programs mm-hmm. like they do in California. Right. And other states, and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to just pick one. Like, I taught a bilingual classroom English and Spanish, but there are other communities that were teaching. And I know in California, they're doing it in particular, doing Mandarin and English. Right. And I've heard mm-hmm. rumors that there's actually Mandarin Spanish mm-hmm. immersion right. happening. Uh-huh. And so they have English as their home language. Okay. And they're coming to school and doing half a day in Mandarin, half a day in Spanish.
2: Wow. wow. And I mean, that
0: is fascinating. And I I don't know. I think what I've experienced in Mm -hmm. public education, when you have systems that acknowledge home languages and home culture Mm -hmm. and they try, Mm -hmm. you know, they try to incorporate what we would call the newcomers. Right. It makes everything so much better. Like you said, the the bullying rates go down. Yeah. Uh, you can identify problems, refugees, mm-hmm. the problems that you have just with having people coming in again, that goes back to our other topic that we just mm-hmm. talked about with the students with PTSD, yeah. uh, displaced mm-hmm. people, people that don't want to be mm-hmm. in a new environment yeah. and they're just praying, when do mm-hmm. I get to go back home? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, that makes all those challenges for learning.
2: Right. And
0: then you're going through puberty at the same moment. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't. Even, I don't even. I anymore. mean, That's teachers. A, lot, a teachers, lot to go through. Oh my high gosh. High school, school, middle school, four years. High school, yeah. I don't know how I. I loved it, but I know a lot of people didn't survive it. No, uh, no. Teaching wise, yeah. No, they
0: didn't. They didn't survive yeah. it at all. Oh. Uh, but I think though that the burnout rate, mm-hmm. as we're seeing in teachers, is because they're not getting information like you're giving today. They're not giving good information about. How to work smarter, not harder. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. I think
0: that's your whole thing. Like, everything I know about you as an instructor is about work smarter, not harder. It's survival.
1: It's yeah. If it, you don't, you burn out. And then, then, you know, the school has to train a, a new, another teacher. So, the students right. suffer. The, obviously, the teacher suffers. And then now uh, the new teacher is n- probably newer mm-hmm. and have to go through the whole thing again. Did so, you get
0: pegged though? I have to ask this question yeah. too. Did you get pegged as that multicultural teacher?
1: Uh, what do you mean exactly?
0: So when I when people learned that I spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. they immediately, oh my God, what are you doing teaching social studies? And you know, yeah. you need to speak, you need to teach language, you need to teach ESL. And right. and I eventually ended up in that arena mm-hmm. in Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, but in in North Carolina when yeah. I taught there, it was always uh, regular mainstream academic. Mm-hmm. It was never anything else. And I chose that because that's what I like. That's yeah. you know, my passion. And I ended up falling in love again. Mm-hmm. I had left the world Tracer. and I was like, I don't want to teach more language. Uh-huh. You know, I want to uh-huh. do something totally different. Right. But I'm really grateful for the time I had in mainstream mm-hmm. classrooms. Right. Because then when I went into the subject, you know, that matters that weren't, you know, testing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Uh, the non testable the subjects. Electives. The electives, mm-hmm. right? We were able to see the perspective. I was able to see the perspective from both sides. Right. I could see what the what the mainstream classroom teachers were dealing with,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then also what we were dealing with as elective teachers, where right. our classrooms were sort of like this moment of of taking a breath.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because they were struggling mm-hmm. desperately right. in mainstream classrooms to keep up with the native speaking Absolutely. students.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: And and again, for those of you who don't know, it takes a year and a half to every year mm-hmm. for students that are non-native language to learn the same thing from native language. So it takes one kid an academic year to learn something, mm-hmm. but it takes somebody who's coming from a different language mm-hmm. a, at least a year and a half. I get it. Right? So right. you're never going to be at the same level. You're going to keep falling behind every year.
1: Although statistics say once they catch up, then they surpass. Pass, yes. They surpass. And that's, bilingual, and that's know, bilingualism. And that's bilingualism,
0: uh, and it is the beautiful best thing. But yeah.
1: yeah, it's a process. It's not like they're going to be uh-huh. brilliant at the beginning. No, it's a process. So, that's
0: why yeah. immersion, or, and that's why uh, bilingual education mm-hmm. and, um, and different half day programs have become so essential mm-hmm. to address these issues.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's that mixed method. goes mm-hmm. back to the mixed method that we mm-hmm. were speaking back at the beginning
1: of all of this. It is. It's, and it's mixed method. is this diversity of curriculum, diversity of, of cultures, and, and, and how you approach things, how right. you relationship building, you know, all of that is important. And that's but, why it's so complex. And it's a, it's a very difficult job in the end, you know,
0: Yeah, I'll to completely. put it
1: all together in a couple of years to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time. You know, I'm not going to pretend that it took me a few years. No, it took me a lot of years to understand the dynamics that are going on in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So I'm going to go back to the thing that you said we were going to get Mm -hmm. to at the end. And I don't know if we've answered it. And that's why I'll bring it up. Mm -hmm. So when is immersion only appropriate?
1: If you're in a classroom where the target language, I want to be like scientific about it. Yeah. Because immersion can be different types of environments, right, Uh different objectives, Um, and the instructor uh, wants to teach, wants the environment to be in 100% target language, Mm -hmm. then it's more, it's going to be more conducive when the students are from the dominant culture, right, and they're learning another dominant culture, and so that there's less of a need for identity acknowledgement. uh, less of a need of community building, because a lot of uh, students who are from the dominant culture already have community, Okay. and they don't need it as much as someone from a marginalized community who who look at the dominant who look at the target language as a necessity, a survival skill. Right. You know, the whole dynamic of that, the difference of that is immense, and it's not easily noticed when you just look at their faces when mm-hmm. they walk in the mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, yeah, the it, that's where I say it's okay to be 100%. If your goal is 100% that the students you have teaching are from the dominant culture.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're a, a foreign language instructor mm-hmm. in a yeah. classroom setting yeah. and you start off with a mixed method and you slowly are progressing mm-hmm. more and more toward complete immersion because yeah. the goal is to eliminate the dominant language and to work in the target language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the end of the course. Yeah. So that's that's a great methodology. Yeah. And you're you're inching your way along and as I, you go and you absolutely. reach your room, right? Absolutely. I mean, the yeah. first,
1: no matter what class it is, I start in the, if I am speaking, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. if I can speak in the home language, I'm going to start with that to make them feel welcome and say, right. hey, anytime you need, uh, here's my number. You know, obviously I want them to feel welcome no matter where they come from. Right. But the methodology changes depending on the, who these yeah. students are.
0: And shout out to all of the schools that are teaching heritage language classes for academic subjects. Yeah. Because, again, transferring that over. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid any country out there, a.k.a. any education system out there to teach people in the language that is coming in, Mm -hmm. the the refugees, the uh, immigrants. Don't be afraid to teach in their languages yeah. if you can do it because it's only going to benefit your country because you're going to have an educated population. Absolutely. That they're going to be able to then transfer that over into their next language. And then you're not going to have to worry about all of the other socioeconomic issues that happen afterwards for lack of opportunity due to language barriers.
1: In the end, you're going to have more productive citizens yeah. contributing to your society yep. versus rebelling against it. Exactly. There you go. What, a, hey, what but a happy note. What a happy note. <laughs> A little too black and white, but yeah, it kind of yeah, it, it, boils down it But
0: it, it does. It yeah. does. You have to, people cannot lose sight of the fact that whatever is being taught in an educational system mm. is for the rest of people's lives.
1: Absolutely. It's all connected together. Yeah. So connected. Wow. Well,
0: this is great. I love this topic. I
1: appreciate your yeah engagement. I'm glad you liked it.
0: I did. Because, um, you know, I was that kid.
1: Well, yes. I was that kid. I was the A D D kid. So no, but Did I you was, just say? I was the,
0: yeah, exactly. No, I was that kid in that in uh, that immersion environment. Uh-huh. It was scary to hell. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it was great. I loved it. I, I loved I think that we should uh, always talk about this.
1: Great. It's about language.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Translate, Translate This. And uh, again, let me just give you some of our social media look at places. Uh, if you can find us on Facebook at translate.this.podcast, which is our Facebook username, translate this podcast, you know, when you go to facebook.com and on Instagram, translate this underscore podcast. And at our website, I'll repeat it again, translate this dash podcast.com. You will find a way to leave us feedback and ask us questions. And you'll also be able to see the really cool artwork we love right, we love yeah. our artwork shout
1: out to uh, Luis in the department
0: yeah Luis in the department of artwork there and we would love for you to give us some feedback in terms of what you even want to listen to in the future i mean i'm i think that's great too i want mm-hmm. our listeners to let us know what what do they want to know what sure. do they want us to translate
1: and this yeah listener engaged and yeah. Listener involved.
0: yeah exactly all right well until next time
1: translate this uh Crouch-holding optional. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have fun out there.
0: Bye.